you know, the self-love bit that Lauren talks about is actually, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, but actually it's really essential. And also to know, you know, the simple words, I am enough. To know that I am enough. I am enough exactly how I am and to be proud of who you are and to learn to self-praise yourself for the good things you do not necessarily wait for somebody else to say oh you look great or you know feel it yourself feeling feeling that work inner work is really essential i think a lot of forgiveness of self and behaviors and you know recently i've gone back and i'm like I wish I'd done that differently and I wish I'd done that differently and but I am where I am and, and that's my life has brought me to this beautiful place actually. Mm. Yeah, it's taken me, you know, a long time to get here and I'm grateful that for the journey. Hello and welcome to the Natural Healthcare Network podcast. My name is Deb McLeod, and I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in. Today, I have two people joining me. One is a guest I've had on before, Florin Gale. She is a naturopathic nutritionist, and her close friend, Marissa Bull, is joining us. Marissa is a life coach and a wellness coach. Both of them are here to share their own personal story about their eating disorders. This is an emotional and can be an emotive topic for many. So it is important for anyone who is listening that may have eating disorders to be aware that we are going to be talking about this today. I will provide links in the show notes. So if anyone does have issues or would like to get in touch with someone, there are organizations available to get in touch with if you need to. I am humbled by the fact that both Lauren and Marissa felt so compelled to share their story. So, Lauren and Marissa, how lovely to have you on my podcast today. Thank you so much. So lovely to be here, to join with you back. Yeah, it's really great to have you back on, Lauren. I love it. So we're here today to talk about a really sensitive subject and something that has affected both of you and it's about disordered eating there are 1.25 million people that have eating disorders in the uk and that's a hard statistic to gather because as we know people don't like to talk about it so this is the best gauge that beat could come up with the the charity that focuses on eating disorders and you both have been kind enough to want to come on to my show and talk about your own experiences with this. So I want to be sure that we take the greatest care for you and also for the listeners, but we're going to just go with the flow in the conversation today. So which one of you would like to start off and talk about your journey? And in between that, we'll ask each other questions and just go from there. Is that okay with you? That's fine. Okay. Which of you would like to go? Marissa, do you want to go? Or Lauren, what do you want to do? I'm happy to go first. It's okay. All right, Lauren, you kick off. Um, thanks, Deb, so much for doing this as well. And I feel that it's, it is a really sensitive subject. And I do think it is really needed. You know, um, we have had conversations before. And I think in the other co- podcast that I did, 
Um, I always touch on that whenever people come to see me in clinic, not just ladies, men as well, it is always, well, am I going to lose weight? There mm. is always that element. And, um, you know, I my journey of disordered eating um, started at a really young age of kind of sneaking food. And, and that's the way that I kind of, I wouldn't say it was control or anything like that, but I would sneak food and my mum would hide it around the house, right? Mm. And I would s- seek it out and sneakily kind of run it upstairs. And it was, it was a lot about the sugar for me. It was a lot about the sugar and kind of wanting that hit. Mm. You know, I do, I'm really putting my head on the parapet here and, um, you know, talking about this because of my profession, which I think is is really important. And, you know, there is a history of addiction within, you know, my lifespan. So it was really the food first, right? Sugar was really the first thing that I picked up. And I've had this kind of very unhealthy relationship with food, throughout my life, you know, put on diets, my weight was always commented on, don't eat this, how many have you eaten, you know, you shouldn't do this, shouldn't eat that, being called fat. And I was never from really big numbers. I was never, you know, very, very heavy. I was overweight slightly. But people feel that they have the right to comment on your weight, right? Yeah. And it wasn't until, you know, I've lived my life on diets, on diets, off diets, Monday, detox. What diet am I going to do now? And then obviously I went to study nutrition and, and that's when it really kind of took off for me. What took off? Well, my kind of dis- disordered eating got worse. Mm-hmm. It was sitting in lectures knowing, having so much information about food and almost too much information. Yeah, I can see. There's almost too much information and it kind of triggered me. And I kind of tipped into binge eating. Right. And then the shame of doing my job and binge eating. And, and actually, I've managed to arrest it now and I don't do that anymore. Um, but the, the kind of the emotions that come with it you know, the shame and Mm. all of that kind of, it is a very emotional subject. And I, I really want to do this justice. You will, you will do it justice. And you already are by just talking about it. And as, as we know, within the nutritional therapy world, people can become overly well, become so obsessed about what you eat and the type of food you eat that you don't allow yourself to just let food be food. And as nutritional therapists, you can see why, because we understand the benefits of, of the foods that we're eating and what it can do to us. So you you can kind of see that. It's, it's, it's interesting to see how that, that process you go through. So there's a multitude of things that go on there, aren't there? We're, we're supposed to look a certain way. And uh, there are various campaigns out there. And I did a podcast with a lovely lady and friend last year uh, 
about eating disorders and body image and what as a society we've done. So I think slowly, slowly people are getting a little bit more at ease with being who they are and looking the way they are. One of the questions I had for you, Lauren, was do you think that it was really about the sugar because of the, the you know, we get in, can get into the science of, a, of uh, too much sugar and what that does to your microbiome? Or do you think there was something else going on, which I know we'll be talking with Marissa about as well, because she's a, a life coach and, and we can discuss those, the emotional sides of it. Do you think it was a combination of the two or was there one or other? think it was a combination of a lot of things actually right. so firstly i think it's an emotional thing eating feelings stuffing feelings down secondly um i think it's you know they say that sugar is more addictive than cocaine it lights up the pathways and your serotonin that's for sure seeking rewards i'm a reward seeker by nature that definitely going on and i think Coming back to the emotional, I think the more I binged and the, the kind of weight, you know, we get older, we naturally put on weight. I think throughout dieting, throughout my life, I've messed up my metabolism. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's been a lot of stuff going on. And therefore, and I think it's very easy then to hide behind, well, I'm fat. Well, how are you? I'm fat. How And, and that kind of becomes a mantra. And it is so, the thing that I've noticed the most since I've kind of uh, become, you know, I, I've surrendered, let's just put it that way, is that I don't have those conversations going around in my head. Okay. It kind of keeps you in this loop of negative self-talk. And actually, it kept me from, at times, wanting to get into relationships so there's this hiding that goes on. Mm. I can hide in my fat suit. And, and, and I'm, I, I will say again, to look at me, you'd go, but you're not fat. But there's all of that mental stuff that goes on in the head and how mm. we perceive ourselves. Mm. It's, it's, there's so much entwined in this stuff. It's, it's so hard to unpick, but the healing that comes when you start to unpick is unbelievable. Yeah. Marissa, do you have any questions for Lauren? I didn't know if you wanted to, I want to be sure that you jump in and ask questions as well, because it's not just for all three of us to ask each other questions. It's absolutely fine. Well, I just find it, you know, fascinating what Lauren's saying about being in the fat suit kind of thing and then hiding away. And there's a lot of shame around that because people can really see what you're holding and what you're struggling with. And I've been shamed many times for looking the way I have looked and internalizing that constantly and, you know, hiding myself, but not being able to hide at the same time. So it's a very painful reality. And to actually break the cycle of that can you know, it's a journey in itself. We should talk about how you both have broken that and what you've done and what sort of support you've got in order to help yourself through these things. But Marissa, that's perfect timing for you, you to kind of segue into to your story because you're a shorty like me. You're a little shorty. <laughs> Are you equally short? So we're all three shorties. How cute. 
be like three little lily perts. <laughs> At five foot one, I really am quite little. People, mm. oh, you're quite short, aren't you? Mm. <laughs> I get that too. Always. So when I was at my heaviest at about 14 stone, you know, I clearly stood out and actually, yeah, I had a lot of people being very rude about my weight. And I, and I have actually a lot of my life. And my journey started when I was 11 and I went to have a bridesmaid dress fitting and I realized that actually I wasn't small and I had never realized that before because it, it wasn't really an issue. And then I got put on a diet at 11. So my diet journey started when I was 11 years old. And my mom was always on these amazing diets, the great diet, the, I can't remember, the soup diets. I mean, I lived with a house of dieting and a house of not having anything in the house that was bad for you or sugary or so um so i have yo-yoed all my life and some sometimes the diets worked i spent a lot of time not being happy and not being in my right size body and struggling with the ups and downs of finding something that worked so i lost I lost three stone at one point and I felt fabulous. But then I remember someone saying, you know, you're getting very tired. You're not eating enough. Have some snack bars in your bag and eat the snack bars when you're hungry. So I did that. And then I went back into eating constantly. So I never had, I never had a plan. It was either I didn't eat very much or I ate everything a lot. So there was never a balance and the and actually it's it's been a very painful journey like lauren i also ate for emotional relief because there's been a lot of emotion you know there's been everyone's got a story and i have my own story that has led to wanting to push the feelings down or actually even just to manage the feelings because mm -hmm. life life is difficult so how do we look after how do we manage all that is and one of my ways was with food until I had my daughter and actually um my milk wasn't very good and I was only told to breastfeed that was the best way to do things but when my milk wasn't good I asked a breastfeeding consultant what do I do and she told me to eat a lot of sugar before and after I breastfed, which I did, and I began to really put on a lot of weight to the point at three months when my daughter was three months, I could no longer um, use the my hands. I lost all sense of touch. So I went to the doctor and it turned out that I had become fully diabetic and my sugar level went very high and I had to stop sugar immediately which I did. And I did that for a few years because I had a very strict doctor who screamed at me badly. <laughs> that was actually quite terrifying. I'm like, can I eat chocolate again? And he said, no, you can't. So I didn't. But then I went out one day and I didn't have any food. So I had a bag of crisps 
and that one bag of crisps led into four years of eating again and putting on my weight again. So what I have really come to learn, I learned how to manage my food instead of the up and down dieting. And that's what happened. And thanks to my lovely friend, Lauren, oh. eating a box of chocolates. And she kind of said to me, what are you doing? Like, oh, I can't actually remember what you said to me, but it was very like, it kind of triggered me. And it triggered my, oh, I have my kids. What am I doing? I have my, my life. I'm shortening my life with my diabetes. What am I doing? And that's when I took stock. That's interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people that have that, that feeling and they don't really know where to turn and they don't know what to do because they go to their GPs, they get yelled at and told that they shouldn't be doing this, they shouldn't be doing that. And we know that they'll get put on, if they're diabetic, they'll get put on medication, which, you know, okay, we know conventional medicine is there for a reason, but when you can manage these things through what you eat and your lifestyle changes, but when people don't know where to go, that's mm -hmm. one of the things that I often think about is how do we, you know, my big bet on this, Lauren, is that I want to get out there and find a way to educate the public more so they know to come and talk to nutritional therapists, to health coaches, to well-being coaches. So you talked to Lauren about this and Lauren's smirking because Lauren at this time saying to you, what are you doing, Lauren? Right? And I'm doing the same. But I have that knowledge. Yeah. And, and actually with me, I would binge and then restrict, binge and then restrict, binge and restrict. And that cycle, I mean, I remember, you know, Marissa and I, our friendship spans a lifetime. Okay. And we've really traveled together throughout our lives and really been there for each other That's in all, all our journeys. And, um, you know, she would say to me at times, like, what are you doing? And, and, and I remember having these conversations where Marissa would phone me up and say, I've just been asked if I'm pregnant. Oh, all the time. You, you have no idea. Yeah. I, I think one week I got asked about 15 times. And, and, you know, the shame that came with that. And I never had that. But what people would say to me is, why are you eating that? You're a nutritionist. Yes. Why are you eating that? And my mum would like look at me like, what are you doing? Because you know, when you're in a binge, you can't, it's it's compulsive, you can't help yourself. Mm. So, you know, I would go to parties or kids' parties or whatever, my own children's parties, not eat the cake and say, I'm not eating sugar, I don't eat sugar. And then I would kind of be wherever in an airport you know, two or three days later, and I would be shoveling sugar down my throat because I could never quite get the handle. I think mm. that people, you know, say we shouldn't demonize food. And I think they're absolutely right. Mm. But for people like Marissa and I, we have to stay away from certain foods because they are so addictive. Absolutely. So what have you done to help and support yourselves because um you know this is this is really very emotional and i want to be sure we'll 
be sure and provide some links on the show notes so if anyone listening to this creates any issues so they can seek some help because we want to be sure that that we're taking the greatest care for anyone listening to these podcasts. But what have you both done to help yourself so you can work your way through those issues if you're saying you don't want to demonize food? Um, can I speak to that, Lauren? So I think... I think it's about knowing yourself. And for me, the journey when I was told by a dear friend, um, this diet really helped my mum who was diabetic. And I went on this certain way of eating, not a diet, it was a way of eating. And in that process, I actually learned what's my food and what's not my food, what triggers me, what supports me, and in beginning to really understand how I can eat that supports me constantly from yo-yoing and, for, and from my addiction and the pain of that, it was a, a beautiful, difficult journey for three months of almost grieving what I knew, what I know that I cannot eat anymore. And I, and I learned to manage... And basically for myself, it's sugar. And I know I just, sugar does not support me. And it's not demonizing sugar. But I know for myself that if I have sugar, I go into a spiral of having more and more sugar. It triggers me. So I learned almost to grieve. I had a real grieving process of the foods that I wouldn't be able to eat. And I got into eating very clean food that actually supports my body and brings out the best in my eating habits, brings out the best in me. My, I, my emotional world changed, my self-esteem changed right from deep within. And I liked myself better and I wanted to, to eat well. And the more I did that, the more I, I thought, wow, this has really given me joy. And that showed me that the joy of eating, say, a cake or a sandwich actually was not as big as my joy for feeling good about myself and the way I was looking after myself. And that was a process. It didn't happen overnight. And I really worked with it. I worked with my anxieties and my emotions and all that came up and I cried and when I was hungry I had my support buddies and I'd phone them and I'd stare down the phone and say I want to eat and you know the the anxiety around that and the the challenges but the but I then began to feel very determined to look after and heal myself and this relationship with myself and healing what needed to be healed was actually that was becoming stronger and stronger all the time. And so I fell into a very good place of eating well and my weight shifted. Mm. And I'm not completely, I, and now I'm actually very happy with my body. Of course, I can, you know, I've always got to keep exercising and looking after yourself, but I have a freedom around food now. I have a complete freedom and I don't eat sugar. And, and some people will always want to have sugar and they can manage that. For myself, I, I don't, but it's not, it's, um, it's not difficult. There is right. no, no difficulty in not having any of the birthday cake that I even make. 
and I can sit and watch people eat all this food and I, I don't have any food envy. I just have, I have a very deep peace inside me because mm -hmm. I, I'm in a healthy I'm in a healthy relationship with the food. So you're a wellness coach. Is, were you a coach already when you were going through this or is this what led you into being a coach or did you get some coaching whilst going through, you know, changing your eating? So I have questions. I, I, I'll try and answer all of them. So I've been a coach for about 15 years. Okay. While I was a coach, I was going through this. And I got support, definitely from very sensitive friends who held me on my journey, gratefully. And also the support from the community of the way of eating I did. Okay. And it was my own support and it was my... Um, daily commitment to myself that I really promote as a wellness coach that we have our daily practice where we really look after ourselves and our well-being and we know what our intentions are and what is our plan for the day and setting ourselves up in the right way with our meditation and our gratitude and all the things that bring us to alignment so I worked every day, and I still do, and it, and it brings me so much joy to do, mm. and to be in nature, to what, what fills me up now. Yeah, I understand that we feed ourselves in different ways. I, you know, I have a daily practice as well. We've talked about this, as does Lauren, and that is my foundation of just allowing me to, to be in a different place and space. So Lauren, we were talking about where you were, you had these issues and then going through the training and feeling like you're the expert and people are coming to you and then having your own issues of, of almost, I mean this, you know, I don't know each other that well, but I'm getting to know you better. You are very, you are a perfectionist, aren't you really? You like everything to be exact. So to let anyone see those little cracks must have been quite a, a challenge for you. Are you, how have, what have you done for your own journey of moving yourself forward to where you are now? Because you, you would say you're recovering, right? You're in remission. Mm -hmm. I'm surrendered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so there was this real feeling of kind of, being a bit of a fraud, you know, mm. that that really did not sit well with me because I'm quite an honest person and I'm quite upfront. And actually, you know, there were clients that I knew was, that struggle, a lot of my clients struggle. And I was actually able to be honest with them and say, you know what, hey, me too. So that for them made them even more trusting. Mm. And they knew that I kind of knew the way out I know I know the way out for them right but for me it's always a more difficult journey so I am from 17 years of a 12-step fellowship and I did I actually found the way that Marissa was started a few months before Marissa but there wasn't enough support for me there mm -hmm. I needed more support. I needed a structure. 
you needed a lot of accountability as well, didn't you? I, I needed to be accountable to people. And I, I kept trying to be accountable to Marissa, but because we're so close, it didn't work. And um, I finally literally threw the towel in, threw my hands up and said, right, I need help. Mm -hmm. And I went into a 12-step fellowship. And this is what really helped me, okay? And, and for anyone listening that is struggling, there is, there is help out there. You know, there are nutritionists that deal with this. For me, I needed that bit more structure. We're, we're, we're all different and we're all at different levels, okay? Mm -hmm. um, there is OA, which is Overeaters Anonymous. There is GSA, Grey Sheeters Anonymous. There is FA, Food Anonymous. I don't know if there's a Sugar Anonymous. There must be somewhere. Um, so there's like a few fellowships that you can choose from. They mm -hmm. are the GSA and, and the, food, the, the Food Anonymous are very strict. So... I am in the strict, I'm strict. I eat three meals a day and nothing in between. I weigh and measure those three meals and I eat what I say I'm going to eat and there is no maneuver. I don't eat white sugar. I don't eat sugar, starch or grains. And I'm the same, I also. They are my nose. They are my nose. And it's so restrictive. So I can see somebody looking from the outside going, that's crazy. Because I've said that, right? But within that confine, okay, of the non-grazing, balancing blood sugar levels, if we want to look at it from a nutritional stance, mm. balance my blood sugar levels. Yeah, you I knew where I was going, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't graze. I'm not a cow. I don't graze. And I stay within the confines. And within that, the freedom is immense. Right. Let me echo that as well, because I also stay in the confines of the three meals a day, pretty much the same portions every day. Mm -hmm. At the same times, I give my body a rest so I don't eat. And then actually, I really enjoy my food actually really taste food differently it becomes a different experience to eat because you've given yourself time to have the next meal and those confines have been actually my greatest support they've kept me very like i know it's very it's in a box and it may not work for everyone but for us it's really worked that we have these boundaries right. for addicts of our type because we're all different right yeah. somebody else they might say well that's never going to work for me and I totally understand that and I do have you know I do have eating disorder clients and I don't use that tactic for everybody because it just doesn't work no and you know yeah. coming back to the orthorexia I have orthorexic clients you know as well as my hormone clinic mm. right I have orthorexic clients that living in the, in a three meal a day with nothing in between it, it's not right for them so I really think it is about knowing yourself, like Marissa said, knowing your triggers, knowing what works for your body. I don't have that feeling in my body that I've eaten 
so much sugar or, or whatever that I need to go to sleep. And then I need the pick me up. It's, it's like a drug, right? Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. And did you find, cause you know, the science side where people get into the imbalance in your microbiome and the sugar imbalances and wanted to do testing. Did you do any of that on yourself, Lauren, to find or have someone help you with that to see, or both of you, to see if you had any particular imbalances in that area first? Because I know with sugar addictions, there are all kinds of discussions about what's going on within the microbiome and working on that. Did you do all of that? And you thought, this is, this is still not happening. This is still not working. There's Maybe there's a, a snip, a genetic snip or something. I'm just kind of curious about that. So there are, I haven't done the DNA genotype type mm -hmm. yet, okay? I, I'm about to. I innately know my own body. And you know what? With, with addiction, okay, so let's just clump it all together because it's the same thing. It's different substances, okay? And there is this real kind of... Um, discussion is it genetic is it is it a genetic family yes for my family yes very much so and I can trace it back to my grandfather my auntie exactly the same it has run through a family mm. and most addicts that I speak to it is a family illness. We call it the family illness. So it presents itself in different ways. So my grandfather was a gambler. They did that in those days. And he liked to tipple. My auntie, she liked a drink. Plus she had disordered eating all her life. And then I see it displaying in myself. And, you know, I watch my children quite, quite you know, with an eagle eye, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking and I'm thinking, okay, I need to keep an eye on that. You know, is it nature? Is it nurture? I think it's, I think a lot of it's nature, right? So for me, yes, I did the stool, coming back to what you said, I have done the stool testing. And actually what the sugar addiction did to me over time was it's given me a, a, a dysbiosis. Mm -hmm. So yes, it did show up in my stool test. You know, I have candida. I had candida for quite a long time that went systemic, which means it went all over my body. It was in my sinuses. Actually, it still was in my sinuses up until a few months ago where I've cleared it. So it's not just psychologically, you know, physically it has an impact. You know, I would binge my hands, like Marissa said, I could start feeling my, the sugar got into my joints, you know, not just the sugar, you know, the gluten and everything else. Um, so I've actually the joy of healing yeah. far outweighs the joy of cramming. <laughs> yeah. I have that too. It's like, I think it runs in my diabetes, definitely runs in my family and certain addictions. And actually, I think as a type two diabetic, I'm not any more diabetic because I have 
I've healed that in myself through daily walking and the not eating sugar. And maybe that was also like the, you know, the, the aim, the goal. I had that as like my kids, my, my life, and then being diabetic and what it does to you. And actually as a type, I do type two person who had diabetes. You never kind of think it would happen to you to go into type one, but it's very, very possible and very easy. And I was on metformin and I kind of broke the rules a lot and ate sugar and ate a lot of sugar until I realized that I couldn't. So the joy of being able to change the, the sugar levels in my body has been a big joy as well and a motivation to stay like that. And I just want to say for anyone listening, you know, it is a series of rock bottoms, right? You just don't wake up. You know, I think you have to hit a rock bottom within your behaviors to actually, you know, I, I have parents phone me up saying, my daughter's da 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 da. And I say, well, how does your daughter feel about that? Because if you're, if, if the person that you're phoning me for isn't the one making the phone call, are you sure they actually want the help? Because that's where you're going to kind of come unstuck. Yeah. You can lead the horse to water, but you can't make it drink, you know, and that is so relevant, I think, in a lot of addictions and behaviours. Who wants to heal and get well? Because most people probably listening to us, you know, I, I might be thinking, well, it's okay for you. You know, you've done it. Yeah. But it was a series of very painful rock bottoms. Yeah, Laura used to say to me, how painful does it get, Marissa, for you to want to change it? You know, and, and actually got so painful. Like, we haven't not done the painful bit. So where are you both now with this? I mean, it's very... It's uh, very brave of you, again, to be sharing your story and what's going on with you. And we've talked about the emotional side and you've talked about a lot of things. I know there are a few things that we haven't discussed, but where are you both now with your own well-being and how are you taking care of yourselves? I know you've talked about the 12-step plan for you, Lauren, and Marissa, you're following your program but how are you both now with yourselves and what are you doing to maintain your well-being? So I think throughout the kind of, throughout my lifetime, I've always been a truth seeker. Marissa and I are big truth seekers, right? And, um, you know, I have gotten another level of healing from putting the food down. So you know, I, I've also really delved into therapy and I've never been frightened of, of going into therapy and working with therapists through childhood stuff. And I did a lot of that. And actually what's come up for me is, is that I actually hit a ceiling with that, right? And I've been able to guide myself back in on my mm -hmm. own and go back in and do the inner child work. And how I do that is being in meditation you know, I, I have my morning routine, I meditate, I go in, this sounds very kind of like, but this is my truth, right? I go in, I ask myself, what needs to be healed? Because I want to become a whole. I don't want to walk around as a half. I feel really emotional, actually. 
So for me to become a whole, I have to go back in and ask myself, have I missed anything? And I speak to myself and I meet myself at the age where I could be raging. And I go back in and I say, it's okay. And I give myself the voice that I never had, if that makes sense. Of course, yeah. And that has been tremendous. And then the joy. You know, when people used to say, you know, you have to love yourself. And I used to think, oh, what does that mean? Like, how, how do you even get there? Yeah. And you know, it's such a big thing to throw out. I love yourself first. And yeah, mm. I'm learning to love myself. And it's such a throwaway, you know, it, it, it's work, it's work. And I think you need to have that fearlessness to go in and say, okay, let's get in the trenches. You know, where's this come from? And generally you need help with a therapist, right? If you haven't had therapy before, you're never going to do that alone. So I think that this is an all encompassing. This, this, this takes a village sometimes. You know, mm-hmm. Get a support network. Yeah, you need your support. You need your, your buddies next to you to hold you and to do the journey with you. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely have my buddies that I check in with daily. How are you doing today and supporting each other? And I think, you know, that self-love bit that Lauren talks about is actually, you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, yeah, but actually it's really essential. And also to know, you know, the simple words, I am enough. To know that I am enough. I am enough exactly how I am and to be proud of who you are and to learn to self-praise yourself for the good things you do and not necessarily wait for somebody else to say, oh, you look great, or, you know, feel it yourself. Feeling feeling that work, inner work, is really essential. You know, there's this lovely saying, we came for the vanity, but we stayed for the sanity. (laughs) And that is where it lies, because you become as you start to put food down or whatever it is that, you know, you're using to keep yourself away from yourself, when you start to have those moments of clarity, of sanity, of seeing yourself and putting that shame down, I think shame's huge. And that's another huge word. Sometimes I don't even know what it means. I feel it, but I can't articulate it. You know, and I think a lot of forgiveness of self and behaviors. And, you know, recently I've gone back and I'm like, I wish I'd done that differently. And I wish I'd done that differently. And, but I am where I am. And, and that's my life has brought me to this beautiful place, actually, mm-hmm. where it's taken me, you know, a long time to get here. And I'm grateful that for the journey. Mm. There is a lot of beauty. My mom said this to me many years ago and I just didn't get it. I do get it now. There is a lot of beauty in being where you are now because of all those past experiences, regardless of what they were, you are who you are right now. And that being that person has made you, you 
right at this moment and embracing that and knowing all those experiences is how you look at them because you know, we've all been through things, but there is an essence of, of finding that sense of, you know, you are where you are and learning to feel at more at ease with regardless of what's going on right in that moment in time. You both have been very smart and helping having each other to point each other in the direction of getting that help to provide the support to you, whether it's through therapy or it's through the groups or through health plans, eating plans. That sounds like you've put a lot of things in place to keep yourself supported so you can continue to grow. Is that ask for help break the taboo there's no shame therapy support nutritionists life coaches it's there just ask for help you know and sometimes you don't you don't have to spend a fortune at this stuff either right i think when i can't afford it it's going to cost so much money 12 step fellowships they're free one of the really beautiful gifts for me too was that I learned to start appreciating the difficult times in my life and uh, somebody once sent me a video of actually thanking the situations and then realizing the gifts in them mm -hmm. so I actually do spend every day thanking all that I'm in even when it's really hard because I know there's a gift and the gift is to make me stronger the gift is to make to help me believe in myself more. And I think that's one of my daily practices, the gratitude, the seeing the gifts, even when it's hard. And breathing, learning to breathe, breathe through the emotional turmoil, breathe through the anxieties, and also learning to manage thought. I think that's a really important one. And actually that's been one of my greatest journeys is learning how much of my thought takes me on another road that is actually not my truth. So really watching my stories, how many stories am I telling myself today? And then actually realizing that I, it's about being present, you know, and just staying away from all the stories and going back into your quiet space. Okay. That is so poignant as yeah. well. Yeah. The stories we tell ourselves, the stories mm. we tell ourselves about other people, yeah. you know, the stories that we tell ourselves about our past. And it, it's so true. It's so mm -hmm. true. Thank you, Marissa, because, you yeah. know, what's, I think it's what's learning what's fact and what's fiction. Mm. Yeah. And that's actually been, I think, one of the biggest journeys in my healing with my food is learning what were my stories? What is my story around sugar? You know, it's a thought. It's a thought that I'm hungry. Am I really hungry? Do I really want to eat that? So I, I've learned to challenge myself and to stand up to the challenges. Yeah, we think the thought is fact when sometimes it's just a, something you keep thinking and thinking, so you make it a fact and it's not really. Yeah, yeah. So I'm conscious of our time because because you're both very busy ladies what haven't we talked about right now that you would like to bring up is there something you both like to say either of you'd like to say please don't struggle alone that's my biggest you know i'm very privileged that i have my friendships with people that i do and i am aware that a lot of people don't okay but please please ask for help do not 
suffer in silence. There is no shame. I actually think I echo I echo that there is support and support. You need your sisters or your brothers to support you and to have your little community to build you up and to help you find your joy. And it's there. So whether it's... Go and, go and look for one. Yeah, that's it. If it's not your friends, then it can be your life coach, your nutritionist. So can we put something... I'll put ways to get in touch with both of you on the show notes because if people are listening to this and they would like to get in touch with you to find out different ways or organizations to contact, I can certainly put some details in there as well with the various organizations where people can seek help and guidance. So if they, or if they just want to talk to you and say, I'm feeling this way and just get some suggestions from you is that okay can we do that can i mention the way of eating i didn't know whether i could mention it of course yes of course you can because bright line eating was my biggest gift one of them anyway and also actually you know when i talked about thought it was something i uh, follow is the three principles which is all about managing your thoughts and uh, going beyond your thoughts to your innate wellness And that as a life coach is something that I'm really into, like finding the innate wellness is definitely present. It's always present, but it's hidden under the thoughts. And once you can kind of manage and learn how to manage all the thoughts, you realize that you have a lot of wisdom. And when you're quiet, that wisdom, the innate wellness, it becomes more and more present. And I think with daily practice, whatever that is, whether that's a five minute meditation or a half an hour meditation, you walk in nature, you're finding space, then you hear your wisdom more and your innate wellness. And I think for anybody that is really at the start of their journey and they're in their food or they're in their addiction or whatever they might be in, right? And you're in it, just take a tiny step. Yes, tiny steps, that's for sure step because you know we're talking end of the road like where we're at you know I didn't get here overnight this this was years in the making right it starts with one tiny step you put one foot in front of the other if you make one day to the end of the day abstinent from food or clean from drink and drugs Mm -hmm. that's one day yeah yes slowly slowly and and actually, you know what? It's it's a life. It's a life's work. You know, we work to keep ourselves well. You know, work, but you, we look after ourselves daily, and it's always work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things you're talking about. I'm just going to jump back to your discussion about innate wellness. The the amazing thing about our bodies, and I say this is that our bodies are the most amazing mechanisms out there. There is no computer that could outdo it. There is, it is the most extraordinary thing. The composition that makes up a body is so beautiful and that it is always trying to correct what's going on. And, you know, that is amazing as well. So um, I'll be sure and bother you about the three principles on managing your thoughts. I think that would be lovely. Okay. So, 
Thank you so much for your time and for your honesty and bravery in coming on. It's very thoughtful of you. And I, I'm really honored that you felt like you could come on and talk about it and share it with me and share it with people who are listening. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. It's been an honor and a privilege. And I hope that we can put a bit of an end to people suffering. Thank you. My pleasure. Well, folks, that's all for today. I really appreciate your sitting in and listening in to Lauren and Marissa share their very personal stories. It takes a lot for any of us to share information about us that is so private. And if you have found that any of the information that we've talked about or shared on the podcast difficult, there are links in the show notes for organizations for you to get in touch with if you need to do so. On another note, there are several things that I'd like to talk with you about. And one of them is to thank you for listening to all of my podcasts and for subscribing. And if you haven't done so already, please do so or share these with people that you you feel might find them of benefit because don't forget these podcasts are here to support collaborate communicate educate and inspire one another i've got a great rota of people joining me over the next few months so watch this space and there's one other thing i'd like to remind you of and you got it i bet you thought i was going to forget to tell you you have got to bounce soft to feel good what can i say about that belican other than it really has been one of the best things that i have done for my life They continue to find more and more research about the benefits of rebounding for your cardiovascular system, for the lymphatic system, and for your musculoskeletal system. It has also been terrific for my mental well-being. If you'd like more details, there is a link in the show notes so you can go and have a snoop around yourself, or you can send me an email and you know I would be more than delighted to talk with you about the many benefits of the Billiken. I'd like to thank you again for joining me, and until next time, here's wishing you and yours the very best of health. Bye for now. Bye.